Luke chapter 9, verses 61 and 62. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So far, the reading. Well, we are in week two of our a series called Start Here. Uh, the series is about discovering a, uh, a new beginning in life uh, because we find ourselves in need of, uh, over time and time again, uh, the need to start over. It's really about God's grace giving us a chance for new starts. And the good news, of course, is that the gospel makes it possible to do that. In fact, it, it is really what the Christian life is all about. It's all about grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, that you're always able to start over and over and over and over again. In fact, the Bible talks about that in many different places. For example, Paul in 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. And elsewhere, back in the Old Testament, in Lamentations, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, last week, we talked about the first step in starting over. It's a matter of going out into the deep and casting your net until God fills it to overflowing. And this week, we're going to talk about the second principle, which is you have to close the door to the past. Now, one time, someone came to Jesus with what appears on the surface, if you listen to the reading of the text, uh, with what we might consider to be a reasonable request. And Jesus responded to his reasonable request with what may sound a little bit harsh, at least on the surface, uh, a little bit cold and maybe a little bit over the top. But he was only being gut-level honest and real-life practical with the man who had come to him. A man that he called to cast his nets, but this man already had his built-in excuse. The man wanted to do something that simply could not be done. He wanted to go north and south at the same time. And we know that that is impossible. Now, in Luke chapter 9, there are three encounters that Jesus has with people who expressed kind of a surface level in following him. In each case, Jesus told them what it really cost to be his disciples. And today we're going to look at the third encounter because it has something to teach us about beginning a new life. And so again, we're going to look here at verses 61 and 62. Still another person said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, when you look at that, you might think to yourself, even as I suggested before, that Jesus is being a little bit harsh here, a little bit over the top. I mean, is Jesus really so demanding that he won't let a guy go and swing by his house and tell his relatives that he's going to be gone for the rest of his life? Or maybe give his mom a chance to bake him a big bag full of oatmeal raisin cookies and send him on his way? No, that's not what this is about. That's not what this man was asking, and that's not what Jesus' response is even about. 
In fact, since Jesus and his disciples never really traveled much more than about 30, 40 miles circumference, uh, they were never, ever very far from what they would consider to be home. And we see different stories in the Gospels about how Jesus and his followers maintained ties with their relatives. In fact, there's a story about Peter going back to visit his mother-in-law that he cures. So we know this is not a matter of a man not being given a chance to say farewell to his family. Instead, I would say that Jesus' response was directed toward one specific phrase that this man spoke. And it's a phrase that no doubt you and I have spoken many, many times. It's a phrase that has the power to derail and delay your ability to live up to the calling God has on your life. It's a lie, actually, that we often tell ourselves. And it's the number one reason why a lot of people never really get started on this path uh, to life. Now, what is that phrase? Well, the phrase is simply, but first. But first, Lord, I will follow you wholeheartedly. But first, let me do this one thing. Now, have you ever uttered that phrase yourself? I know I have, more than I can probably count in just about every imaginable context, and I'm guessing we all have. I mean, for example, you know, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to get serious about my health, but first, uh, you've got to help me get through this month because we've got birthdays coming up and we've got family coming in and there's going to be so much cake and ice cream, so I'll begin right after the family leaves. But then again, we've got two potlucks in the month of October at church, and you know, it'd be really rude if I didn't sample everybody's dish and everybody's dessert. And so I'll start right after the potluck. Oh, but, you know, man, it's October and we have all that Halloween candy in the house. I, I, I mean, fall festival or trunk or treat candy in the house. So I'm going to wait until the first of November to get serious. And then we're barely into November. And it's like, oh, man, this is the month we have Thanksgiving, isn't it? And you know how we are loved to overeat on Thanksgiving Day, and that will negate any progress I might have made. So I might as well just wait until after Thanksgiving. I'll wait until after Thanksgiving. But then, oh man, it's Christmas, and I mean, how can you possibly enjoy Christmas without fruitcake and cookies and, and chocolate? I mean, so it's best if I can just put this off a little bit longer. <clears throat> now, when it comes down to is that even though we know that we need to get a handle, for example, on our eating habits, we can make a pretty good case for getting serious about it later, much later, like maybe 2015. That's really what this phrase, but first, means. It means not now, and it doesn't mean not now later, it means not now, maybe later. See, if you want your Christian walk to really take hold, you have to address the issue of not now, maybe later, but first. I mean, what stands between you and the life you know you ought to live? I mean, what stands between you and a life of radical devotion to Jesus? I mean, what stands between you and the healthy life that you're capable of living? Or what stands between you 
and the joy of daily fellowship in the presence of Jesus. I mean, what stands between you and the abundant life that Jesus promised to everyone who follows him? Now, whatever it is that stands in your way of those kinds of things, no doubt falls into the not now, maybe later, but first category. You'll never have the life that God has intended for you as long as you always give yourself permission to say, but first, let me do this. Now, when this man came to Jesus and said, but first, let me say goodbye to his family, Jesus says in verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is not being harsh. He's not being unfair. He's just being practical. I mean, this is a basic and unchangeable principle of how the world works. You cannot move in this direction if you're still looking in that direction. Now, use an example that his listeners would understand. And it's probably an example that some of you who've done this would understand, too. You cannot plow a straight line if you're always looking behind you. I learned that principle from Russ Anderson. You cannot be looking behind you when you're plowing. You've got to pick out a spot ahead of you and go to that spot. Otherwise, you're in a plant like this. And some of you know exactly what that's all about. You cannot drive down the highway with your eyes constantly on the rearview mirror. If you try to plow that way, your fields will be random and haphazard. If you try to drive that way, uh, your travel will be random and haphazard. And if you try to live that way, your life will be random and it will be haphazard. In a Bible class a number of years ago, in fact, I think this was down at prison when I was teaching at Angola, we came through this verse, and one of the, people, one of the guys raised his hand and said, I think I hate that verse more than any other one in the Bible. And it's like, why? He said, I just don't like it. Uh, to, I don't like that phrase, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. It's too radical. I mean, who can't help but look backwards sometimes? It's like Jesus is telling everybody, you don't measure up and there's no hope for you. But, you know, he had it wrong. I mean, that's not what Jesus is saying at all here, friends. When he says no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for service, he's not saying there's no hope for you. He is saying there is something in your life that needs to change. Now, that word fit, F-I-T, uthetes in the Greek, means to be ready or to be prepared or even well adapted. And that word look back, which is blepo, uh, doesn't refer to, you know, just a quick little glance. It's a present active participle. I'm giving you a Greek lesson today, which really means that Jesus is referring to a continuous and ongoing action. He said you can't be fit, you cannot be ready, you cannot be prepared, you cannot be well adapted if you are always in a continuous and ongoing action of looking backwards all the time. So if you're trying to live your life in this direction, you know, trying to follow me, for example, but you're always trying to keep your eyes going in another direction, you're neither prepared nor adapted to the kind of life that God is calling you to. And maybe your whole life has been lived in that realm. I don't know of the not now, maybe later, but first. And if you come up with one excuse after another 
to always avoid doing what you know God is asking you to do, I've got some bad news for you. You're not ready for God's blessings. You're not fit for his service. I mean, that's the bad news. Now, if I stopped the sermon right there, (laughs) that would really be bad news. But there's good news here, too. The good news, however, is that this is not a permanent condition. If you're not ready, guess what? You can get ready. If you're not fit, you can get fit. Now, how do you get fit? Well, you close the door on the past. You put it behind you forever. Now, in our time remaining in this message, I just want to talk about three things here that I think you need to do to get out of this but-first mentality and into the I'm-ready-now-Lord attitude. And the first thing is uh, make the decision you need to make. Now, in human, it's human nature for us to put off big decisions. I mean, all of us do that. Uh, we'll put them off forever, though, if we think we can actually get away with it. But some things are way too important for us to delay. I mean, for example, if your marriage is really struggling, and if you're having a hard time communicating and making decisions, you need to decide today to do something about it. Shut the door on the past, move forward. If alcohol, for example, would be wreaking havoc in your life, you need to decide today that you're going to do something about it. If you're involved in a relationship or some sort of a situation that cannot possibly end well, then you need to decide today to do something about it. I remember when I was on my vicarage, we had a very small church. Um, the pastor was gone for a few days, and one of our members came to see me, and he said, I need some help. And I said, what help do you need? He said, well, I'm, I'm doing cocaine. I said, okay. And I said, uh, do you do that here at church? He goes, oh, gosh, no, I'd never do it here. I said, do you do it at home? He goes, oh, gosh, no, my wife would kill me if I were brought that into our house. Do you do it at work? He goes, oh, no, I work at Hanford Nuclear Power Plant. And at that point, I was like, oh, thank God for that. I said, so where do you actually do this drug? And he said, well, there's this one bar on the other side of the Columbia River. And I said, okay, I can take care of your problem. He said, okay, what is it? I said, don't ever go back there again. And he said, what? What? I said, don't ever go back there again. In effect, what I was telling him is close the door on the path and move forward. But he, he couldn't get it. He goes, what? I don't understand. I said, if that's the only place you ever have the problem, don't ever go back. Shut the door. Slam the door. Lock the door. Throw away the key. Don't go back. And he just... I felt like this is way before George Bush ever said it. Read my lips. Don't do it anymore. You know, but even beyond silly things like that, but most of all, if if you're not in a close personal relationship with Jesus, if you're not walking with him every day, day by day, and experiences his presence and his power day by day, you need to start today to do something about it. 
Now, maybe there's a decision that you need to make. I, I really don't know. My wife and I were talking about decisions that some other people had to make this morning on the way to church. You know, but maybe, you know, maybe you have a decision you need to make, and you know you need to make it, and every time you think about it, you still hear, you find yourself saying, I know what I need to do, and I guess someday I will, but first, I got all this other stuff I need to do. Well, if that's you, friend, you will never close the door on the past as long as you do that little phrase, but first. Give it up. <laughs> Give it up. I know it, it could be really hard to make that kind of decision. Make the decision you know you need to make. The second part of this is to break the ties you need to break. See, whatever it is that causes you to look back or keeps you from being focused on moving forward, this is the connection you need to break. I mean, somebody, you know, once told me, I never go anywhere that serves alcohol, period. It was very necessary for that person to break his connection in order to begin a new life in Jesus. Now, for some people, breaking the connection means that you will never, ever again have a private conversation with a certain person, ever and ever, ever again. I mean, there are just some people that, boy, they could suck the joy out of you from a hundred yards. Have nothing to do with those folks. For some people, it might even mean that you have to give up a hobby, or others, it might be to give up a habit. For some, it means taking scissors to the credit cards. For some people, it means set a time for your morning devotions and your morning prayer time and your morning Bible study and block everything else off your calendar. For some people, it means not even turning on your computer in the morning before you do it. Whatever it calls, or whatever it is that calls you away from a life in God, you need to break that connection. That means you leave the room, you turn off the lights, you close the door, you lock it, you throw away the key. Now, I just want you to think for a moment. Is there something in your life right now that is keeping you away from the life that God wants you to be living? Are there ties to the past that you need to break? Well, there's a third thing, then, and that's to take the steps you need to take. I mean, the things you can do every day that move you in the right direction. I mean, start taking daily steps in the direction you want to go. Uh, you know, put as much distance between you and uh, the past so that his arms can't reach you and so that you can no longer hear its voice. Uh, and you create that distance one day at a time, you know, placing your hands to the plow, looking straight ahead, and taking another step forward day by day. Now, if you've been living with the idea that, well, someday I'll do right, but first let me do this, then you probably have already figured out that someday never comes. Never comes. There's always that but first, let me do this distraction that keeps you looking back. There's always a not now, maybe later excuse to get you off track. I'll give you a personal example. And that is just in terms of daily Bible study and daily prayer. You know, there are a lot of habits that are not good for us. I mean, we all have, we all have bad habits. I can remember as a kid, I got into this horrible habit when I was about 11 or 12 of spitting all the time. I don't know what it was. I'd, get me, I'd just spit. And it would just drive my grandma and grandpa crazy. What on earth are you spitting for all the time? 
it was just a habit. I have, have no idea. But, you know, when she said, you've got to cut that out. You know, I'd be walking outside and go, no, I'm supposed to cut that out. It, it just took me a conscious decision. I, I don't remember. I wish I could remember the statistics, like how many days you have to do something in order to make a habit, and then also how many days you actually have to take before you can break a habit. I mean, it's a really interesting stat. But it took really conscious decision. But on the other hand, those kinds of things also apply to something more serious, like what about daily Bible reading? What about daily prayer? You know, what about a daily devotional time? You know, and for me, you know, say, well, it's probably pretty easy for you because, after all, you're a pastor. You have to do it. Well, quite honestly, you can be a pastor and not do it at all. I, I've met people, I'm pretty sure, that didn't. I shouldn't say that, but um, I'm sure there are people like that. You know, but you have to have a regimented way of doing it. My wife knows that even though I retired last August the 11th from pastoring a church, I have written a sermon every last single week ever since, whether I preach at a church or not. Now, why is that? Because it's an ingrained habit. So every day I'm reading something. Every day I'm writing something. Every day I'm looking and trying to listen to what God has to say to me. Same with the Bible study. I see my wife parade herself out to the sunroom, get her stop open every morning. Same way with exercise. It's whatever. It's a habit you get into. It's a good one. But, like it says, if you're always looking behind you, it says you're not fit or prepared. You're not prepared. Now, I was a Boy Scout, and I remember it always says, be prepared. But you can, you can get prepared. Now, Paul kind of summed this, this life up in, in just a few words in Philippians. I love this passage. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep pressing on. Don't look back. I cannot ever remember reading this Bible passage without remembering my 25th high school reunion where many of the kids in my class reminded me that I perhaps had one of the longest interception returns in school history without scoring a touchdown. And that's because as a linebacker, I kind of stepped between a little swing pass on about the two-yard line, and I just, running full speed, caught the ball and headed 98 yards towards the other end for a touchdown. When I got to the 50-yard line, I was already thinking, they're going to make me homecoming king. Uh, probably every cheerleader is going to love me forever. I'll probably get a full-ride scholarship to the University of Nebraska. And when I got to about the 10-yard line, I decided to kind of glance over my shoulder to see how much my amazing speed had separated me from all of the opponents. But when I kind of turned around to glance, some fool from the other team punched the ball out of my arm, and he recovered it on about the 2-yard line. So I had about a 96-yard interception return without scoring. I remember not wanting to go to the sideline where Coach Scove stood, but I saw him doing this. And when I went over there, I remember him grabbing me by the face mask and pulling me close, and he says, don't ever look back. And then he says, get out there. That is stuck in my mind. 
for 30 years now. Well, it's stuck in my mind now for 50 years, I guess. One thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, the prize. What is the prize? It's the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My goal is heaven. Now, let's be honest. We're all tempted to look behind us sometimes. We all try to hang on to the past a little bit, which only prevents us from experiencing what God has for us in the present. It often causes us to say, not now, maybe later, but first. And Jesus' response to us is pretty simple. We say, not now, and Jesus says, no, now. We say, maybe later, he says, no, now. We say, but first, and he says, no, now. See, Jesus is calling on us to close the door on the past, whatever the past may be, and open the door to now. Open the door to the life that he has for you. It's found in the decisions you make, the ties you break, and the steps you take. That's how you close the door on the past and open the door to the future. God, who is a merciful God, God, who is a gracious God, always allows us to do that. We looked at it this morning in our Bible study, looking at Amos. I mean, there are times when God must almost want to turn his back on us for some of the silly things we do, even as he did to the people in the Old Testament times. But even though he says there's punishments out there, you're going in the wrong direction, God still comes back and says, there's another chance. I mean, that's kind of really the beauty of some of the things about the Reformation that Martin Luther brought back to mind to people. I mentioned at the beginning, you know, sola gratia, by grace alone. Purely by the grace of God, he allows us to continue to live each and every day. His grace, or as we heard before in the passage from Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. And it's purely by faith which he works in our hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit that allows us to take hold of that and to receive that. And the place that we learn more and more about it is right there, sola scriptura. Word alone. Scripture alone. May God be with us as we continue casting our nets and as we learn to close the door on the past and open the door to now. In Jesus' name, amen.